Jordan is on best. Harper's on middle. Play together, they believe. Um, if there's Levert, it's cold. Levert, back in. Speed. Oh, he's a one-man wrecking crew. Holiday, shot clock down to six. Finds Warren. three. Welcome to another edition of the Indy Cornrows Podcast. This is your host, Mark Schindler. As always, before we get started today, if you haven't already, please be sure to rate and review us over on Apple Podcasts. And, of course, read us over at Indy Cornrows. Uh, I am joined today for a, a little roundtable discussion by Tom Lewis and Caitlin Cooper. Rick Carlisle just got hired as the Indiana Pacers head coach to a four-year, $29 million deal. Uh, we have a, a lot to unpack in a short amount of time here, so uh, I just want to get the uh, the real meat of everything picked apart. I'll, I'll start with you, Caitlin. Uh, I know we were talking before we got on. Uh, both of us weren't even home when this happened and just kind of rushed back to, to start diving into some stuff. Uh, what was your initial reaction when uh, when you were out on your walk and you saw, oh, wow, there's a coach now? Right. I decided to sneak in a walk over lunch and it was about a mile from my house and my phone started pinging a bunch of times and looked at it and I was like, oh, well, I don't have to write any more coaching profiles now. That, that was my initial reaction, Mark. <laughs> That's a pretty good initial reaction. I'm not going to lie. Uh, Tom, what about you? <laughs> yeah, I mean, and you should be good for a few years, I think. Hopefully, theoretically, on, on those yes. coaching profiles. Nice. <laughs> um, well, I, my first thought was, yes, I'm, I'm kind of excited about that as a hire. If we're going with uh, a veteran coach who's done it before, and also in my mind, there were all these little things that I'd been thinking about over the past couple of weeks. Actually, over the past week since he stepped down in Dallas, that um, I just kept feeling like that could be a possibility and it all kind of uh, everything made sense now I was like yep that that made sense there was there was there was a lot going on behind the scenes and and uh they pulled pulled off and got the guy they wanted um whether he's the right guy or not with this team we'll find out but i'm pretty sure that he's their top choice yeah my uh my initial reaction too was just that i didn't expect it um i i mean my impression was that and Caitlin brought this up too before we got on. David Aldridge uh, from the Athletic um, had posted it, you know, posted. Gosh, I can't speak. Had written uh, in uh, detailing the Washington coaching search that Rick Carlisle was expected, like he was expecting Rick Carlisle to sign a deal for eight figures somewhere. Um, so that, I mean, I was I, I hadn't read that, but I, I mean, that was my impression uh, coming out. I was like, oh well, Rick Rick is going to get paid a ton. Um, you know, he mm-hmm. mentioned leaving Dallas that he, he was looking forward to his next coaching stop. He wasn't going to take time off. Um, so to me, I was like, okay, well, our, you can sign him off for Indy because I, I don't think that they're going to shell out that much money. Um, and alas, <laughs> they paid four for twenty nine. Um, yeah. One, one quick thing that I do want to hit on with that. Uh, normally we do not see coaching salary figures. So I thought that was a little bit, uh, it was interesting that that came out in the, the initial woe suite. What did, what did you guys think about that? Yeah. Well, I, mean, it was, uh, I was just going to say it was, it was obvious that information didn't come from the Pacers. So, <laughs> uh, cause they're, they're always, uh, they don't even give out the numbers after the fact, I don't think so. Um, but, uh, yeah, seeing, seeing that up front like that. I was like, whoa, okay. Now, you know, maybe they did want to put it out there just because they, they uh, 
wants to put the rest of the, the talk of him being cheap, looking for coaches and stuff like that. I don't know. But uh, it, it was interesting that that was in that initial, like, yes, Pacers have a new coach, and here's his here's his contract term. It's crazy. Right, because, I mean, they're going to be paying him plus Nate York, the remainder of Nate York and salary. So, yeah, seems like a little bit of a flex that, as you said, they're not going to be cheap with it, and they went after the guy that they wanted and, and got him. So, yeah, we have a – I'm trying to think where to go with this. I think let's just start off right off the bat, not to be pessimistic. Um, something that you and I had talked about, Caitlin, I know Tom and I have brought up on the pod too, like um, just some of the messaging is a little bit cross-mixed, like cross-matched, like I, I just am not entirely sure what to take from it. Um, Rick Carlisle is notably and, and part of the reason why there, there were uh, internal issues with the Mavericks is because he is considered a micromanager. He definitely has – that kind of temperament. Uh, and that's not to take away from him as a coach. He's a fantastic coach, of course. Like, I don't I don't think anybody needs to highlight that. But, um, I mean, a lot of the reason for letting go of Nate Bjorker, and, uh, at least from what has been reported and what has been talked about in press conferences, is that he did not have the human aspect of the game down and was really struggling with that. And uh, so it just is a little bit odd, um, I think is a fair way to put it. Like, I would also bring up too. I mean, uh, Jay Michael from the Indy Star reported that he thought things would would have been better in the locker room and, and not as pronounced if, if they were winning. And I think I'd also point out, like you know, for most organizations, that's the case. Um, but also, it's just a little bit. Uh, it's a little odd to me. Right. I mean, I think over the last two months, because of how much you know general fogginess there has been, some of the messaging has has felt garbled. I mean, just a couple quotes out of Tim Cato from The Athletic whenever he was reflecting back on Rick Carlisle's time in Dallas. He has, quote, but Carlisle was often difficult to deal with, lashing out verbally at non-star players he disliked or having angry outbursts directed at inanimate objects behind closed doors. In every corner of the Mavs organization, and this was a little bit of a break that he had written more in between there, but there's a shared sense of relief that they no longer have to deal with his worst moments. So yeah, I mean, he has a reputation as a micromanager and that he calls a lot of plays and doesn't necessarily give, you know, guards like when, which the Rondo thing was a disaster in Dallas, but with Rondo, Jason Kidd, not wanting to give them autonomy over what they're going to call or playing so much more into flow. Um, so it, it does feel a little bit like, you know, some of the players seem to have, out of Indiana, some complaints about how Nate Bjorkren was kind of micromanaging things on the court as well. But I think that there are probably some shades in what that term can mean in the sense mm -hmm. that Rick Carlisle is an experienced coach and some of the micromanaging and work delegation that it seemed like Bjorkren was having problems with in terms of like how he was handling stuff with assistants and staff, you would like to think that just Rick Carlisle's experience being in a locker room would be better. But yeah, if you're going to let go of a coach and say that a big part of the reason was micromanager, you've kind of um, now hired somebody who's like a hundredth percentile that, or at least stuff that comes out of Dallas, you know, it seems like he made some adjustments with Luca, but Luca is obviously a superstar and, and Tim Cato had indicated that the two of them never really got along. So you would think that maybe it's somewhat uh, attractive to Carlisle to come into a situation with the Pacers where, um, perhaps his influence isn't going to be as challenged as it was in Dallas, or at least how it sounded with some of their GM situation and how he wasn't getting full control over lineup and rotation uh, decisions. But I mean, I think this, the human aspect of this is definitely a piece of it, given what the dismissal of the coach that the Pacers just let go of was. So, so it, it's kind of a 
closing of the loop, I feel like. Um, he came back just for you, actually. That's that's specific. Yeah, I know. It's the, it's the, you know, I, I feel like he's repaying the favor for when they let him go, <laughs> um, because you know he, he it seemed like he was going to be kind of the heir apparent to um, a Bird on those championship teams, and then the other one was Isaiah Thomas. That didn't work out, and then once Bird got back in charge. Um, he came back and, you know, obviously that team that they had was talented and, and he had them, you know, uh, with five minutes before the brawl at the Palace, they were probably the, um, you know, championship favorites or at least the favorites from the East uh, for that season. Uh, and then, you know, the next season training camp starts out with the Club Rio Trio um, and all the all the shenanigans with, with Tinsley and Jackson, those guys at the strip club. And uh, that season turns into, uh, we got to get rid of these guys for 60 cents on the dollar. So I felt like, you know, he was fired after that, but it was more of a favor to let him avoid going through the Murph Levy rebuild. Uh, <laughs> so now, you know, he's coming back. It, it's like, okay, he, he, every the coast is clear and he can come back and, and repay that favor and hopefully um, right the ship here with the, with this group. Um, you know, you, you've got veteran guys who should be able to um, handle a, a coach that, you know, directs them and, and puts them in position to win. Um, and it, it feels like now um, they, they're going to stick with this group, I would think. I don't know. I mean, I, I, we still have that it's a bonus thing, but um, as far as you know, having that veteran competent guy come in personally, um, you know, I guess I don't get too crazy about the micromanaging. And again, I think it goes back to who else is in there coaching with them as well. You know, um, who who's going to be helping on defense and offense, and those assistants are going to be big. And I think he should be able to get quality assistants in. Uh, considering his history. So um, overall, I think, you know, when, when we're looking at these veteran guys that they're going to bring in, you know, you guys know I love the hires. So um, I'm, I'm willing to take that risk that, um, you know, if these guys can handle that, then, then maybe we need to get some different guys. Yeah, I mean, I think I would add too. It's not like – I know I came off a little bit like I don't like it. I, I'm, I think this is a home run. Like as far as – the way that the last year has gone to be able to spin that into this is pretty, um, you know, that's a lot of, uh, that's some pretty good fortune in my opinion. I mean, Rick Carlisle to, to me is a top three coach in the NBA runs some of the best, uh, best stuff out there. And also too, I mean uh, you know, I think sometimes saying respect can be overrated, but um, like it's hard to not envision Rick Carlisle commanding the spec, the respect of the locker room, at least early on, you know, you never know how things will go. But um, I think point being uh, there are a lot of guys like even like matter, matter world peace has been always very, very much so hyping up Rick Carlisle. And that's not, you know, necessarily saying anything. I always have, have an affinity for meta, but um, point being, there are a lot of guys who I think you could, you could look back on who are like, yeah, Rick Carlisle really helped me become the best that I could be in my career. And, um, so I'm interested to see how that plays out, but I guess I would ask too, what, what are you guys most excited for about this? Or maybe not even excited is, is the wrong word, but, uh, 
like what are you most anticipating or uh, or looking forward to uh, happening next? Oh, I mean, I think just real quick, go oh, ahead, Kim. <laughs> uh, no, add in what you wanted to add in. Oh no, I was just gonna say, and and it goes to Mark's question here. Just that um, I feel like he's kind of um, you know adjusted to different you know groups of players over the years and different types of play and and um, you know it seems to be one who's able to adapt um, and so I'm I'm interested to see how he um, you know puts together this group and God yeah I hope they're healthy <laughs> it'd be fun to see um, what happens and and how they're gonna adapt and I mean, there's going to probably be some tweaks along the way. You got to think to the roster, you know, McDermott and and uh, TJ McConnell alone. Um, but even more more serious than that, um, whatever they try to do. But I, I just am, I guess, looking forward to seeing what um, how how they start out and what and what, where they focus with this group um, on both ends of the floor. Yeah, and I think you make a good point. Like, that's why – I mean, I got those other two profiles on Clifford and Terry Stotts done because that's who Woj had reported they were going to interview this week, and it appears mm-hmm. that, like, their first choice was clearly Rick Carlisle, and then they were going to go to those interviews depending upon what happened here. At least that's my read on it. But the Rick Carlisle one was going to be the hardest one to write because he isn't a system coach. Like, he adapts right, to what, right. what personnel and players he has, which is why he was probably the best coach available on the market that would have been out there. So – um, I will say, you know, Terry Stotts does come from the same coaching tree as Rick Carlisle. So there are some similarities there. Some of the stuff that I already wrote in that one, you'll see that Rick Carlisle has used in Dallas for a very long time in terms of, you know, flare screens and how they can use those as decoys. Like some of that's similar to what Terry Stotts does. Cause like I said, they coached together on the championship team that won in Dallas, but um, yeah, I'll be interested to see what this foreshadows for the roster moving forward. Mark and I talked about it a little bit. I mean, Rick already has a quote out there to Tim McMahon where he says, quote, it's a team of skilled, unselfish guys that play hard. It's always possible that moves could be made before the season. But I think Kevin Pritchard and I are both very excited about getting the roster healthy and seeing what this team can be. So, I mean, that's leaving the door open, but it also seems to be leaving the door open to you know, we could finally flesh out what the ceiling is of the existing roster. If like you said, they can actually ever get healthy, but I mean, I'm sure this will open the door back up to the eternal Turner Sabonis debate and what (laughs) Carlisle's hiring foreshadows for that. But um, I would say that, right. But I would say that there are a lot of plays that they ran in Dallas while it may not seem like it because of, you know, what Porzingis's skill set is that, you could easily run with both of them on the floor if that's something that they wanted to do. And I think he would be able to maximize both of their skill sets pretty easily. I mean, he was playing Porzingis and Boban together against (laughs) the Los Angeles Clippers. I mean, and for strategic purposes and it worked, yeah, but that was a thing that was happening. And, and I mean, the clip, the, the Mavericks ran one of the most uh, highest frequency offenses in terms of usage of the role, man. So, I mean, Mark and I talked about that on the Turner Sabonis pod that I felt like, some more of the offense need to be shifted into that direction to get Sabonis on the move in the middle of the floor, whether you're using miles of spacing and, and um, not to go too deep into the weeds here. Cause I will eventually hopefully write this that, I mean, some of the sets that Bjorkren is running in terms of the Iverson cuts where you would have both bigs at the elbows and then go into a pick and roll. 
Carlisle runs all that. Like that's been a staple of what they've done in Dallas for a very long time. It's just that he connects it to other stuff. So the big that comes off the overcut and sets the ball screen, you know, that would probably be miles. He would pop and then you'd be able to fire the ball to the other side into a step-up screen. So bonus would roll. Like both of them are still going to be spaced. They did that stuff with Powell and Przingis or Powell and Kleba pretty regularly. So I think that if you wanted to run both of them, you could. I mean, I, I expect that they'll be open to seeing if they can improve the roster as they should be, but I can see both possibilities. And I don't think that hiring Rick Carlisle necessarily um, is an indicator that Turner or Sabonis's time is automatically over with the Pacers unless something different has already been reported as I speak. <laughs> I look forward to that breakdown. Yeah, I th- so I think this is just my takeaway, and this is mostly just uh, speculation on my part. Um, so not to sound like hot take or anything, but just to me, this reads very much so as uh, like if, if they had hired, let's say, you know, um, if they had hired Terry Stotts or someone else, um, and that's not to this, – this is not at all to belittle other people as coaches. It's more just like I think if you're hiring Rick Carlisle now for the amount that they did um, – this just reads very much to me like they're not interested in necessarily. Uh, I mean, they, they of course want to flesh out and see what this core can do. Like, I think that's evident. But point being, I don't think like this just reads to me as like they're not going to try and run back the same group um, for next year. Like, it, it feels to me like they are going to be aggressive in trades um, and try and make changes. I'm not saying whether that's a good or a bad thing, but uh, at, at least to me, I, I don't. It's hard for me to picture Rick Carlisle saying that he would want to come coach here. Um, if they're keeping the exact same group together and that's not to belittle them or what they're they're capable of but um, it just to me it seems like they would they're very much so uh, trying to um, like the, the Simons committing this much money to to, to to this this time frame just that's how it reads to me maybe that's the wrong way to take it but that's certainly when I first got the tweet and saw the the dollar amount alongside with that I was like oh okay this this is go time. Um, maybe that's the wrong way of looking at it. Did you guys have similar thoughts to that or, or, or not? Yeah. Two things on that. Scott Agnes um, has on his account. Uh, I'll just read his tweet. This is a significant commitment from ownership, twice the annual salary of Vogel and McMillan before him on top of paying out Bjorkren, something to watch closely. How much power is he given beyond being head coach? So I think that that's a point to consider that maybe there's some sort of front office role that he's eventually going to be tied in here. And maybe that's why the salary came. And maybe that's in part why Rick Carlisle was interested in coming to the Pacers. Cause maybe he could, like I said before, have a little bit more influence, you know, that isn't guaranteed. That's what Scott's putting here. But I mean, another thing I said to you before we hopped on here, what other, like if he wanted to stay in coaching, what other job out there was better than this one right now that he was, realistically going to get based on what Boston was prioritizing in their search. He was not going to get that position. It seems like Damian Lillard's having a lot of influence in Portland and he's pretty supportive of Chauncey Billups. It doesn't appear that Budenholzer is going to be let go unless they completely flame out in Milwaukee. I doubt he would want to do a rebuild in Orlando and the Pelicans want a player's coach who's younger. That's going to be able to report, be able to relate to players. So I mean, I guess the Wizards job was out there, but I think that the Pacers roster, if healthy, is is has more balance and, and overall stuff. I mean, and you don't know what Beal's future is necessarily going to be there. So um, I still don't think it necessarily like I fully expect that they're going to 
see if there are ways to improve this roster. And if there are, they will certainly do them. But I don't think hiring him necessarily means that they're completely opposed to seeing what this core can do. I mean, just based on his quote to Tim McMahon, it sounds like they're open to mm-hmm. doing that. Yeah, I agree. And, I, you know, I, yesterday I just happened to see something with the odds for the coaching openings. And you're right. Going through In my mind, I was always thinking, well, um, you know, Boston – Potentially Milwaukee, but that seems to fade away too. And then New Orleans would definitely probably be more intriguing, you know, if it were, were me. But and knowing Carlisle's kind of connection to Boston, but then I was looking at these odds, and I was like, oh no, he's not going there. And and he was like second behind Stotts in the like betting odds um, for Indiana. I was like, oh well, if that's the case, I mean, he's going to jump ahead of Stotts. Um, and unless he's just not going to coach, but um, the way this all played out, you know, it it seemed like it was just destined to happen, and it, it makes it, makes me wonder how much was already done behind the scenes, and they were just working it out, um, maybe even before he left Dallas, because um, I know you know Pritchard didn't seem to be in a hurry to get the coaching search going. He was he was uh, you know quote-unquote scouting over in Europe. And uh, um, it, it just all kind of makes sense now. One thing on, on the on the uh, paying of Carlisle, too, you know, thinking about getting some quality assistance, and I wonder how much that um, assistant salary pool will be, though, now with, with all this, you know, with the money going to Carlisle. Um, I'll be interested to see um, if that ends up being an issue or not. I would hope not. Um, I mean, that again, that's, you know, that's just me speculating, but I'd say I'd hope not. Like if you're going to hire somebody for that much money and then just say, well, you, we're not going to pay your assistance. That's, that's yeah. kind of damning. Um, but I, I mean, we'll see on that. Oh, I mean, we won't see, cause we're not going to know anything about how much the assistants are getting paid, but uh, some, something to definitely keep on the radar. Um, unless you guys have anything else you want to hit on, I think that is a good place to leave off. I know we're going to have a lot more coming up. In coming days, I was planning to talk about the draft lottery today uh, instead of doing this, but here we are. Uh, To to those listening, of course, I mean, the Pacers got, as we all expected, the 13th pick in the draft lottery. I have more uh, more draft stuff in the works right now that will be coming out soon. Um, Do you guys have anything else you want to hit on before we get out of here? Yeah, I just want to say that I look forward to watching actual competent zone mixed in at times next year. I think that that's a real possibility, Mark. I think I might get to see two, three or other zones where there's bump downs and people know what their rules and responsibilities I are. Think, that, I think that we sounds have to bypass to on zone until January, at least. Like, I think zone has been banned in Indiana until January. It is not. Like, I'm still, I am not anti-zone. I'm anti-zone when it looks like you've never practiced it before. Yeah, That's I'm going to have to agree with that. Tom, how about you? And, you know, Kellen's word there is something I, I feel like it's just like there's a bit of an exhale because I feel like the Pacers are going to be competent at both ends of the floor. Yes. If nothing else, they'll be competent under Carlisle, and then we can build from there. Yeah, I think that's what stands the most out to me about everything, like – Believe it or not, the, the Indiana Pacers don't have a superstar. It's not very often that they do. Um, and I think, you know, in some words, that can be overrated. Superstar is an arbitrary word. But point being, like, Rick Carlisle, like you, like we were talking about, Caitlin, Rick Carlisle 
brought Boban Marjanovic in to start in game three of that series. And it made a huge difference. Um, and it just, it sounds so arbitrary, but like he can get the most out of a roster. I think when I think of guys in the NBA who are able to really utilize their entire roster um, and, and get the most out of every player, Rick Carlisle is the guy who comes to mind. Um, and that's going to be huge for a team that is is largely going to be more of some of the, their parts than than individual pieces who are, uh, you know, ascending them to a top level or anything like that. So I agree, though. Competence is, is, is a great word to bring up. Um, just knowing that they're going to run intuitive stuff that makes sense. Uh, I am here for it. So, guys, thank you for coming on short notice and taking the time. I appreciate it. Uh, to anyone listening, uh, I'm sure Caitlin will have something up soon not to put that i did not mean to put you uh on on the on the pressure cooker right there caitlin um but i'm i'm anticipating some awesome carlisle words from you because i know they're going to be great uh tom just put out a a quick story on on rick carlisle joining the pacers Uh, i'm looking at writing something up soon again doing draft work as well and most importantly just have a good rest of your day and thank you for listening